You're listening to Panthers on Tap. I'm Curtis Round, joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing a love for the game in Carolina Panthers football. So join us, crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care. Whatever makes you sleep better at night. Before we dive into today's episode, a little self-promotion. Stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group. We have over 2,500 members. You can also find all of our episodes wherever you listen to your podcast. Just search Panthers on Tap. Don't forget to follow Bryce and I on Twitter at Coach Rule and at Curtis underscore Round. Bryson, how you doing this evening? Doing great. Can't wait to talk about some draft news and super excited for it to be here Thursday, go to the watch party and just uh, drink some beer and hopefully have a good time if it's not a, a bad pick. <laughs> yeah, we've been we've been waiting for this. We've been talking about this moment for the last two and a half months since we started this podcast. So I'm excited to get things underway. We got a special guest with us this evening, Jason Hewitt. He's a writer for Sports Illustrated. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Hey man, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. It's good. It's good to be here. I'm ready to talk draft. And shoot, let's get it, man. How y'all doing? We're doing good. I'm ready to roll here. Um, since our last episode, Scott Fitter and Matt Rule, they held their pre-draft pressers. Scott said he's talked to at least five teams about trading back. He's also mentioned he's got first-round grades on 16 players. So you'd think their cap would be around Arizona at pick 16, but it seems the Patriots at pick 15 has gained some, some steam recently as today, according to Albert Breer in his latest mock, he says that if Fields is sitting there at eight, there's some strong ties between New England and Carolina, and there's already been some groundwork done. Jason, what I mean, what do you think of this news? Do you think this is a possibility? Just break it down for us. Absolutely. So the thing about this year's draft is that there are so many possibilities, which is why everyone is saying, oh, everything's so crazy, because the thing about Scott Fitterer that I'm loving so far is that he's covered nearly every base and every need so far for the Panthers. So I'm not saying that they're like totally good at like the secondary on the line, on the D line, even linebacker. He just covered the very basic needs. And so mm, there's possibilities. So yeah, there is Sam Darnold and they could have, entirely rely on him but at the same time they could end up picking fields because let's remember Scott Fitterer did say they had their eyes on one quarterback in particular and I, the more I think about it the more I'm assuming that it's fields yeah why, why not throw all your uh your darts at the best the well the most important position in football and just in next season if you have if you have Sam Darnold playing well and you have Justin Fields behind him that's a good problem to have so I mean I would be totally fine with that. Yeah, and Tepper, he's a businessman. He's going to throw every option he can at a at a business decision. And it seems like if that's the way to go, you know that. I mean, and I'm I'm going to save some of my some of my other details for later. But yeah, I think I de I think definitely think it's a possibility. But you're sitting there. Let's just discuss this a little bit. We'll get into a mock draft later. But for New England, I mean, there's rumors. There was a report today that New England was talking to a team in the top 10. A lot of people are just guessing it's Carolina. We have no idea. But that Stephon Gilmore might be involved in that trade. Are, would you be satisfied with some someone like him 
Jason and, you know, maybe a first, first round pick as well. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on him at corner is a need for Carolina. They did address it with Boye a little bit, but I mean, that's not a guarantee either. Absolutely. So I, I am a fan of the Gilly lock. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I think Stefan Gilmore is a hell of a football player. With that being said, would think about the positioning. So yeah, the Panthers would be sitting at 15. So they still have a somewhat quality pick. They could go after a guy like maybe Christian Derisaw or maybe even another corner. They could double down on it or they could go after, mm, I don't know, maybe a, a Micah Parsons if he drops that low. There are so many possibilities in this draft, which again makes it so interesting. And so, hmm. If it was up to me, let's see. So it would just be for the eighth overall pick, correct? Hmm. I would want 15. I'd want, hmm. I want Gilly Lock 15. And I am a little greedy. I want a third or a fourth along with that because that eighth overall pick is very coveted and a lot of teams want that spot right now. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with you on that. I don't think Gilmore and then the 15th overall pick is even close to the amount of compensa- compensation that Carolina would need for the eighth pick for them to trade up for a Justin Fields if he's there. So um, I'm, I'm not a fan of the them trading for Gilmore, being that he's 31 years old. He's in the final year of a $7 million a year deal. Um, to re-sign him, he's going he's gonna to cost a lot more money than $7 million a year. What, what if they throw a second in there? Let's say Carolina recruits – the second rounder that they got for Sam Darnold or that they traded away for Sam Darnold. So and what if they do that uh, first, second, next, our first year, this year, Stefan Gilmore, and then a second next year is, would that entice you? Yeah, that would definitely entice me. I mean, I think that that that's a little bit more fair in my opinion, but I don't know. I just, I feel like if you're going to go corner, I think get, going through the draft is the best way. I don't think addressing it with Stefan Gilmore would be the most, um, the, the smartest way for them to do that. But, Hey, I'm not the GM, so. You're making sense, though. You're making total sense. So there, there was another report today um, that the – I guess it, uh, there was a former Super Bowl winner, current broadcaster, Brian Broaddus. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know how he knows what he knows. But uh, that the Panthers are in love with J.C. Horn. And it, do you think that there's a chance, Jason, at eight, that they take J.C. Horn if uh, Sewell and Justin Fields are off the board and they're sitting there – and they're supposedly in love with this guy. Do you think that they take him eight? Do you think that's a possibility? I think it's a possibility, absolutely. I think it all depends on how the draft board goes. So you said if Sewell and who else is gone by then? Um, Justin Fields. And Justin Fields is gone? Hmm. And, and Kyle Pitts. Um, yeah, and yeah. Pitts as well. Ooh, see, I'm assuming that Slater would still be on the board if that's the case. And – I'm very biased towards the offensive line and watching what we saw last year. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater wasn't the best in the world, but his protection wasn't necessarily great either. And so you still have to consider the offensive line, but uh, a lot of people give me flack for this, but I'm, I'm not a huge JC Horn fan. What? You're not? I know. Really? I, I, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Like he's, He's a very solid corner. I'm not going to lie to you. But at eight, I'd much rather get Sertan. Simply because Horn is, especially in the league and like how people are with penalties and 
horn is very, very grabby, man. And I don't know how that's going to translate to the league. He has that swag and he has that Jalen Ramsey energy, which everyone is in love with. But I don't, I really don't know how well his game's going to translate. That's my biggest concern. Well, you look, and I get that. He, he is very physical, but when you're going against, you know, NFC South has got some of the best wide receivers in the league. You're going against some of those guys. Mm-hmm. You got to be physical. You got to match their size. Even if, I mean, you're, I'm sure he's a little undersized with some of those bigger guys he's going against, but look at the guys he's faced, Jason. He's AJ, AJ Brown, Devonte Smith, Kyle Pitts, Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddle. I mean, this guy's went up against some of the best of the best of the guys who've been taking these last couple of years in the first round. And he's held his own. Kyle Pitts said he's the best corner in this draft, too. I mean, and that guy's arguably might be a generational talent at tight end. So I don't know this. I J.C. Horn gets me excited, especially if they trade back. I don't know if at eight I would take him because I feel like the draft board is going to fall their way and there might be a guy that's higher up on their draft board that they can get. But if, I mean, if they can snake this guy in a trade back, I think this is a steal of the draft. I really I think do. That would be a hell of a move. If they trade back and get Horn, that would be a hell of a move. Yep. I, I've always said that the, that Sertan is the, the higher floor, but um, JC Horn definitely has the, uh, has more potential in my opinion than Sertan does. So I agree. Um, I'll give you or, that. Uh, uh, than Horn does. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Then Sertan does. So if if yeah. if uh, Sertan's the safer pick, but J.C. Horn, in my opinion, I just feel like is worth the risk. I I love his game. I, he's my favorite corner in the draft. So <laughs> I got you. The thing that I love about Sertan is that his technique gets him in the right position almost every single time. And you brought up all those receivers earlier. Let's remember Sertan had to practice against a lot of those guys you just mentioned. He had to practice That's against true. the Judys of the world and the Waddles and the Devontae Smith. That's a good point. That's fair. So, That's fair. I mean, when you go, when you have those reps consistently, that makes you better because, you know, at the end of the day, like I know it's very cliche, but practice does make perfect. And if practice doesn't make perfect, then practice makes permanent. And so, mm, I get it. I get the swag thing and all, but I'd rather rely on the guy who relies on his technique that's just me though that's fair that's another, a good point another thing though and i've noticed this and that's i mean this is no knock against sertan because i think sertan if if they ended up picking him i would love i love the pick mm-hmm. too but he is more of a one side of the field kind of guy i believe he played the right side of the field majority of his time at alabama jc horn was in the slot outside and moved around on both sides of the field I mean, we can use the example. Richard Sherman was one side of the field in right. his entire career. And I mean, that guy held his own. Mm-hmm. So that, that argument, I mean, you could play it both ways, but that's just one thing to take note of that I mentioned last week too, is JC Hornstein's a little bit more versatile in his coverage, um, which could be nice. But again, I think where, wherever they go and if they do decide to go corner, I think they're not going wrong with either Sertan or Horn. I think I think both of those guys are going to be really good in the NFL. Absolutely. And the thing is, you actually brought up a good point because Phil Snow, he's he prides himself on having a versatile defense as well. So there's pros and cons to both sides. So like if you have Sertan, you and he he makes it as what's the daggum phrase? He rises to the occasion. You know what I mean? He's the guy that everyone thought he was going to be. 
he reaches his potential. That was the phrase. <laughs> um, half of the field is locked down. And when you have ha- half the field locked down with guys like Jeremy Chen out there, psh, man, it allows other play other players to make plays. And that's why Richard Sherman was held in such high regard because his teammates ate off of his success. Whereas, you know, JC Horn, he's very versatile, which might fit Phil Snow's defense even more because you can throw him around in different places, kind of how they did with Jeremy Chen at safety slash linebacker. So, I mean, we'll see, man. Is is Jav got me excited already. So there's a lot of different options they could go with. Yeah, dude, I'm so excited. I cannot wait to see which way they go. I'll tell you that. Yeah, and what's crazy about – and we've we've been talking about this. I'm just too damn excited. I keep repeating shit. But this year is so unpredictable of what's going to happen, and there's you know so many moving pieces in this draft that this year it's so hard to predict. I mean, mock drafts are a lot of time are bullshit anyway, but – this year just makes it even harder. But let's get to that. Let's get to the mock draft. We're going to just go through the first, you know, until Carolina picks. We'll just go from pick one all the way until we think they're going to draft and just kind of discuss all as a group what we think. And we'll we'll start at one. I'll let Bryson go. And I think I think this is going to be unanimous with the first pick. But let's just kind of go through and just break down each pick up until Carolina. All right, so I got the Jacksonville Jaguars trading the pick to Carolina. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I got them taking Trevor Lawrence. I, I don't think that that's – I think that's probably a 100% lock. So, Yeah, I think that's unanimous. I don't think any of us are going to argue with that. It's pretty clear that he's the number one. And I saw some reports today that, you know, they had Lawrence there, but the Jaguars also did their due diligence on – Justin Fields and Zach Wilson as kind of their top three of um, if they were going to base off of a grade um, with Lawrence and then these other two guys. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I saw that report today, but I think it's without a doubt that Trevor Lawrence is the most pro ready. He's ready to step in day one. And I think Jaguars are, you know, they got their guy and he's going to be good for several years to come. Absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty unanimous. Let's not waste these folks' time. We know <laughs> we all know doggone well who who they picking at number one. Yeah, I, I have a question for I guess for both of you. Um what's up, man? If you're the Jaguars GM and head coach and you're sitting at number one, why can't you just commit? Like why can't you just say I'm drafting Trevor Lawrence number one overall and like the pressers that they had and like what? What's the difference in saying, "Well, we're still looking, doing our due, due diligence," and but I mean, if you if you like Trevor Lawrence and that's your guy, why not just come out and say, it? "I mean, you got the number one pick overall." Like, I think they only do that so that a team could offer a trade that they absolutely cannot refuse. That's the only reason why I believe they would be that ambiguous about it. Because, look, if a team like this is. This is total bullshit. I'm just going to tell you that right now. If a team like the Chiefs gave up like Mahomes, this is I'm I'm not actually saying they will and they shouldn't. But if they gave up like Mahomes and like straight up just Mahomes or Lawrence or like a team like maybe the Ravens gave up Lamar or, you know, a bunch of picks for like the next decade or, or two decades or something insane. That's the only thing, something that is so ridiculous 
that the Jaguars absolutely cannot refuse it. I don't think it's going to happen. It shouldn't happen, to be honest. And, yeah, the Jags got their guy at one. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I kind of didn't think of that way. Yeah, and I I don't know, though, because there are sometimes, you know, there are some years that teams will announce it. You know, they you know, like Jerbro or last year, you kind of knew – did they announce it last year? I thought they did almost. Damn they near close. Did. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. It just seems like it's different every year to, depending on, you know, the situation. But no, that is, I mean, that is a good question. I don't – and then maybe that is the answer. They want draft – I mean, if someone's willing to give up this historic trade, maybe the Texans. No, I'm just screwing around. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it just – yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Let's move to pick two. Let's go to the Jets. You know, a month ago, I didn't think, I thought the Jets would roll the dice with Sam Darnold. I think it was a month ago we released our mock draft. It was about a month ago, first week of April. I thought maybe they, you know, they'd stick with Darnold and maybe go best player available. Clearly, they're not doing that now. Um, And I think it's unanimous. Zach Wilson to them is the next best quarterback off the board. And I, tend to agree with them. I think that guy's going to be a special player and some of them, some of the plays that guy has made in college, just it's incredible and in his pro day, but he's thrown in his tights. So. Yeah, I agree. I think it's Zach Wilson. Um, personally, I like Justin Fields better than I like Zach Wilson. I know that's kind of not really a popular take, but that's just my opinion. But yeah, I think Zach Wilson is the uh, second quarterback off the board at number two to the jets. And I don't think that that's really a, a hidden thing either. I think it's pretty clear that Zach Wilson's the second pick. We agree, man. I think Justin Fields is QB two. I I get it. I do completely understand the hype around Zach Wilson. Some of the plays he's made has been unbelievable. But I feel like Justin Fields has made plays that are just as impressive against better competition. That's just me. I do understand. I get the hype, so I'm not totally mad at the pick. But if it was up to me, and judging by how like how all the teams have reacted, I think the Jets going to go Wilson at two. This is where it gets interesting. I think this is kind of one of the turning points of the draft is the 49ers. Um, you know, they moved up with the Dolphins and you would think they have a surefire pick and know who they're going to go with at three. I think they do. I think it's Mac Jones. He fits their system. I'm not believing this Trey Lance hype that's come in the last week. I think all along they liked Mac Jones. This is Kyle Shanahan's guy. If you looked at all of his past quarterbacks and I mean, it's no one who's listening to us. I mean, everyone knows that's listening to us that, I'm a Mac Jones guy. I think this guy could be pretty damn good in the NFL. Um, and I'm going to stick by that. I'm going to, I will lay on the sword for that. And I think he is going, he'll be going into a pretty good situation with uh, Kyle Shanahan and San Francisco, but I think they go out and get a guy. When you know who your guy is, you go out and get them. And that's what the San Francisco did. It's, it is a big gamble that, you know, move up to get a guy like Mac Jones, but I think this guy could be pretty good in the NFL, and I'll let Bryson fire away. I mean, is is Mac Jones much different than Jimmy Garoppolo or even better than Jimmy Garoppolo? I think so. No. <laughs> Go ahead, he, though. Go ahead. 
he can stay healthy for a whole season. He could stay healthy uh, for a whole season. Health wise, I guess maybe, but I don't. I don't see it talent wise. But I, I think they go with Mac Jones as well at three. I don't think um, the Trey Lance hype is real either. I think they traded up with a, with their quarterback in mind and trading trading away all those picks and then not knowing who you want just unrealistic to me. So I think Mac Jones is the is the pick there. But um, and I think he will be good in San Francisco. I think any quarterback they take will be good in San Francisco just because of the coaches they have and the players they have around them. It's probably one of the best situations I can remember in the top five for a quarterback to go to. So I, I think it's a, a good situation for whoever they pick, and I think Mac Jones will be decent there. I just don't know if he'll be much better than Jimmy Garoppolo is. See, I'm kind of surprised because I thought I'd be the one with the hot take saying that Mac Jones is going at three. But from what I've seen, more and more people are starting to believe that they're actually going to go with him. And oh, it's crazy, but when you again, when you look at Kyle Shanahan and the quarterbacks he's coached, I actually read earlier someone on Twitter said that Mac Jones' ceiling is Matt Ryan, and I really sat there and thought about it, and he's not necessarily wrong <laughs> because. When you look at the games and everything, like Mac Jones, he's not the most mobile guy in the world, but he does what he's supposed to do for the most part. And he does his job getting the ball to his surrounding weapons. And I feel like that's exactly the type of guy that Kyle Shanahan wants. If it was up to me, I would definitely go after Lance or Fields, but I'm not the GM of the San Francisco 49ers. And so Judging by how like everything's been going so far, I I think they're gonna go after McCorkle, man. I really do. <laughs> it's crazy the, to the say. The argument, the argument though, you say Trey Lance, mm-hmm. is he ready? Is he ready to uh-huh. take the next step? And that I think when you're at three, you want that surefire guy. And that's the guy, the guy with the lead, like the guy that's ready to go today, I think is Mac Jones for them. I really do. And I, I wrote these notes a while back and I haven't watched a lot of tape on him since, but I looked at a couple of games and when I say tape, I'm looking at, you know, every offensive play in a game of Mac Jones's and a guy who senses pressure. Well, has good feet in the pocket can throw in tight windows can he he's go th- goes through his progression and I think he's one of the he's one of the most pro ready quarterbacks in this draft I really do I think this guy is going to surprise a lot of people and not a lot of people want to jump to his side and you know he's going to be that great I think he this this is a little bold but I think he could even be better than Matt Ryan I'll go as far to say that and I'll leave it at that but I think wow. Mac Jones <laughs> I think Mac Jones is in a really good situation, and I, I think he's a lock for the 49ers. I think these last couple of weeks have just been smoke for them. And we'll yeah. see. We'll see. I don't know. But that's yeah, I, just I, my take on him. I, yeah, I think Mac Jones will be good in San Francisco. I think Justin Fields would be great in San Francisco. So that's just my take on that. I have the exact same take. Bryson, why don't you go with four then? Well, uh, my fourth pick is kind of uh, – it's a little crazy. So, I went back and forth on this one um, with the Falcons. Are they going to trade out? Are they going to take Listeners, out? buckle up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I went back and forth, and I think that 
if the Falcons are sitting at four and this guy's there, they're taking them. I think I think they take Trey Lance at four if Trey Lance is there. I think if the 49ers don't take him, the Falcons take Trey Lance to sit behind Matt Ryan this year, um, possibly next year. I'm not sure. I think his contract is really fucked up, and <laughs> they're basically married to him for two years. But I think they take Trey Lance there. Uh, there was a report that Kyle Pitts said that he feels that the first four picks in the draft are going to be quarterbacks now. And he was saying earlier on, like around pro days and stuff, that he feels that he's going in the top four. So I think something's changed. And I think that if Trey Lance is there at four, the Falcons take him. Ooh. Ooh. That's – see, it's super realistic, though, because Matt Ryan is getting to that age now where you might want to start thinking about the future, right? But when you have a guy like Kyle Pitts there – See, the Falcons are always weird because you never know what they're going to do. You don't know if they're in win-now mode or if they're in, oh, we're tanking, let's start over mode. It's They're always, like, kind of in the middle somewhere. And because of that, they either have, like, uber-successful seasons or horrible seasons. It feels like there's no really in-between. Like, at least with the Panthers, you know, it's a little bit, more stable mediocrity if that makes sense yes the falcons go into seasons like not knowing what to expect and so with that being said i really think they still believe in the whole win now mentality and i think they're gonna go after kyle pitts and see what they do with that i really do kyle pitts is a good enough weapon to take advantage of especially if they actually keep julio i'm not sure if they will i know all the trade talks and everything have been coming out but if they keep julio and they keep ridley and then add kyle pitts to that offense i don't know man i don't know That'd be nasty very nasty yeah i'm with jason on this one i've been since the offseason all along thinking they're sticking with Matt Ryan the next couple of years. And the way they restructured his deal is just wacky to me and just makes no sense for them to get a quarterback. I saw the report today that Bryson mentioned. I think that's all smoke. I don't know why they're doing it. I don't know if that's like a trade trade bait to get someone to move up to four, but I think Kyle Pitts is their guy. And I know Bryson, you felt the same way about a week and a half ago. And, you know, this recent report, but that, like you said, Jason, that offense, maybe Julio, they deal him, but even without Julio, that Kyle Pitts guy is going to be special no matter where he goes. So I, I, I think that's, I think that's, that's the pick at four, but I mean, I wouldn't take out of the question quarterback either. You got a new coach. And do they got a new GM? I think they got a new GM too. Yeah. So they like to take their quarterback. So maybe this is the year two. I'm not, none of us know, but I just have a feeling it's going to be pits at four. And these last couple of weeks, it just seems more and more likely. Yeah. That's what I went back. That's what I went back and forth on was the pits, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. That's fair. Let's, let's go to, let's go to the Bengals. Let's go to the Bengals at five. And I feel like this is where you get a sense of what Carolina could be getting at eight from these next couple picks. Cause this is, I feel like the guys that they're targeting aren't going to be picked. Well, I guess you can't say that. Never mind. Disregard that. But let's go to the Bengals at five. This, 
I struggled with. I Penny Sewell, Jamar Chase. Do they go with Joe Burrow's wide receiver? Joe Burrow tore his ACL. Do they want to get him a, a, a surefire left tackle, even though they picked up Reef or Reed, whatever the hell his name is, out of Minnesota? They signed him this offseason. I think they go with Jamar Chase at five. I think that's going to be their pick. They're going to they're going to give Burrow some more targets in Cincy, and I think, I mean, why not go with a guy who he's familiar with, and you know they sign the free agent in the offseason, help up and help that line out a little bit, and I think I think Sewell lives to see another day in this draft, and they go with Jamar Chase. Being that I had Trey Lance at four. Um, Kyle Pitts follows to five. I think the Bengals snatch Kyle Pitts up right there um, for Joe Burrow. I don't think that they would be able to pass on him even for Jamar Chase just because Kyle Pitts is a generational talent. And I, I think Jamar Chase is going to be pretty good, but I don't know if he'll be as good as Kyle Pitts. So I, I think uh, at five in my mock draft, I have the Bengals taking Kyle Pitts. Interesting. I look at it like this, and I don't think they should overthink anything with that. Like, Joe Burrow literally suffered from a season-ending injury last year because of how horrible his protection was. I And then you have Panay Sewell, who I think is a generational talent, who's only 20 years old. I just – I look at the film, man, and his technique, like, it's already impressive and still could use some tweaks – from some NFL, you gotta go Sewell at five. I know, like it's not the sexy pick, but at the same time, man, since he needs a quality offensive lineman, and when you have someone that good just sitting there waiting for you to pick him, you you gotta pick him up. I mean, I get that offensive tackle is like really deep this year, but Panay Sewell's ceiling is much higher, I think, than any other offensive tackle in this draft. And when you have a guy in Joe Burrow he, who's like desperately in need of protection, you got to go after the best lineman. That's just my take, though. Yeah, that's fair. You got to protect your uh, your new franchise quarterback. I mean, that makes total sense to me. I can definitely see it going that way as well. Yeah, I I think you can flip a coin here and go either one. I really do. I if I'm them, I would go Sewell especially after seeing what happened to Burrow last year. I don't know why the hell you wouldn't, but you know, I don't know. It, it's not a sexy pick. And maybe since he wants, you know, wants to keep their QB happy and get, get him the target he's, he's familiar with. So, it's I fair. mean that we could go either, we could go either way there. Bryson, why don't you, why don't you kick us off with the dolphins now? Well, now that, uh, who we were talking about just now. Um, I have the Dolphins taking um, Sewell at six. Uh, he slides to the Dolphins. I think they're gearing up to take an offensive lineman there. They traded Eric Flowers today. They're moving their tackle to guard. Um, they're pretty much, I think, hoping that Sewell's there at six. And if he does last till six, he doesn't get past six, I don't think. I don't think there's any chance he goes past six. So um, he is my picket. Ooh, okay. Well, since I had Sewell, I'm going to flip it and say that they're going to go after Kyle Pitts. They're going to get two of that weapon that he needs. And not to say that they're not, they're not like starving for weapons, but Kyle Pitts, I mean, he's a generational talent himself. 
And having a target like that could potentially change that entire offense. So I'm going to go Pitts. Yeah, and I I thought I, I was kind of on the same page as Bryson that Sewell doesn't get past six. But then I also saw another report today kind of contradicting the – I think it was the Miami Herald report. I'm not sure. But I saw something today that just just because they moved on doesn't mean – they're going to go after Sewell at six. And I can't remember what the reasoning was, but they might move some other guy at left tackle. So that kind of made me second guess, you know, Sewell's a lock. And I'm going to, I'm going to stick with my guns before the trade today. And I think they go jail and waddle. They get, they get to his, his guy out of Alabama and they get him a target and you know, the offensive line move today makes it seem like, yeah, they're going to, they're all in on Sewell. He's not going to pass them, but I'm going to pump the brakes. I'm going to be patient. I think they still stick with a wide receiver here. They go waddle at six and that Sewell move to eight is just looking better and better for Carolina. I just have a hard time for the, the Dolphins going wide receiver. I just think that they have good talent at wide receiver and they signed Will Fuller in free agency I just I have a hard time seeing them pick a wide receiver this early in the draft. And there's, um, there's going to be some really good talent at wide receiver in second and third round. So I don't know. I just I had a hard time selling myself on that. That's understandable. I don't know. The only thing is, like, it is Jalen Waddle, man. Or even, like, personally, I think Devontae Smith is better. I know the whole size thing turns a lot of people off. But, I mean, dude did win the Heisman for a reason, <laughs> you know. And so, like, I just – between him, Chase, Waddle, and Pitts, I feel like they have a really good opportunity to get that really sexy pick at the skill position. So, we'll see what happens. I think I think they're going to go Pitts if he falls that far. And if not, then I agree that they're going to go after a wide receiver, assuming that Sewell doesn't fall that far. All right, let's, let's, let's go to Detroit. We're getting closer to Carolina. This isn't a popular pick. I get it. A lot of people have a wide receiver going here. I have I have Lions taking best player available. And I the way my draft board falls, Panay Sewell, they take him. I don't know how you pass this guy up. I mean, if I'm Cincy, I said it before, you got to take him. And if he falls to the Lions, why not get another left tackle? They can figure out a way to make that line work with him. I think that's the guy you take and you try to protect Jared Goff. That guy needs time in the pocket. He does. He's not very mobile and you make sure you shore up that entire offensive line for him. And this wide receiver class, there's some deep guys in here. You can get a, you can get a pretty damn good player in the second or third round. I think if Sewell falls to them, unless they trade back, you got to take best player available and you got to take them here. That that's just me. On my board, uh, I have the the best wide receiver in the draft falling to the Lions, and I think with them losing uh, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones this offseason, they need to get weapons for their new quarterback, Jared Goff. So I have them taking Jamar Chase at seven. I think that's going to be too hard for them to pass up. Um, their offensive line is decent. It's not good. It's not It's not great. It's not terrible. So I, I think that they, they uh, at number seven, Jamar Chase on my board falls to them, and they snatch him up. Let me read out the wide receivers that the Lions currently have 
Brashad Perriman, Tyrell Williams, Khalif Raymond. <laughs> They're going after a wide yeah, receiver, man. I really think, yeah. I, hold on, though. Unless hold Pitts on. falls. Hold and, on. Hold what's on. Up, what's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Let me jump in here because everyone thinks that. Okay. How many times did Matt Ryan get sacrificed here versus the Panthers? How many times? Did he, I think five or six. I think it was like five or six. He got knocked out of the game. That offensive Fair. line is not very good. That offensive line is not good. Yeah. Matt Ryan? Matthew Stafford. I'm sorry. Did I say Matt Ryan? Matthew Stafford. Stafford, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah I, I mean, got what he, you meant. Yeah. He, got, he got knocked around. He got knocked out of that game. I think you take best player available. I get it. I see their – I know their wide receiver depth is – it's stanky, man. It's it ain't good. Horrific. I get that. I get that. Tyrell Williams, though, isn't a bad signing. I can, he I can ain't, he ain't a he's scrub. A good like, he's a good second, yeah. I think, second or third. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think – I'm on you got to take best player available. You got to you got to you got to protect the guy you just traded for in Jared Goff. I I don't know. I get you. I do get you. I just that that receiving room is too is too glaring for me. As is I get you though because I'm a big O-line guy. I always show love to the big fellas, but uh, you got to go. And like judging by my draft too, I mean Sewell is gone by then too, and so they would have to settle with Slater. And Slater is an absolute stud. Let's not get it twisted. But at the same time, I feel like going after receiver would be a more attractive pick for them. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Well, let's 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 give the guest, let's give Jason the first stab at Carolina. Let's go to Carolina's pick at eight. Jason, this could be a trade back. This could be whoever falls to them. Where do you have your draft board going here? What does Carolina take? with the number eight pick in the 2021 draft. All right, so for those listening, let me let me um, read out my draft. So Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, the Jets, they're going to go with Zach Wilson, the Niners, McCorkle Jones. <laughs> um, Atlanta got Pitts. Cincy has, um, oh boy, Penny Sewell. Miami, I believe they go after Pitts. Detroit will go after... Um, Chase Waddle Smith. I'd say I'd I'll probably go after Smith. I think they're gonna get Smith. That's just me. And with the eighth number eight overall pick of the 2021 NFL draft, the Carolina Panthers select Justin Fields out of Ohio State. They're gonna get they're good. I think Justin Fields is their guy. I really do. Judging by the reports and everything and what Scott Fitter has been saying, they've been to most if not all of his pro days as well. Let's not forget that. And listen, man, Justin Fields has been special since high school. He's always been highly coveted. Let's just – to me, if Trevor Lawrence wasn't there, like was drafted like a year prior or something crazy like that, I think Justin Fields would have been quarterback one. I I get the – like I said, I get the Zach Wilson hype and everything. But Justin Fields has been delivering – in an impressive conference since he entered um, college football. Even when he was at Georgia, like a lot of people, including me, because I'm a Georgia fan, gave um, Kirby smart flag because they decided to bench him. And because of that, you know, he went out to Ohio State and balled out. 
he even outplayed Trevor Lawrence. A lot of people forget that. And so yeah, he did. I think that he sure did. I think I think the Panthers are gonna go after their guy, and a lot of fans will be very happy about. Go ahead, Curtis. I'll, I'll save mine for before, last. B- before I make a pick, I just want to do a rebuttal here is mm-hmm. what does that got? What does that do to the confidence of Sam Darnold? You come in, you trade for him, you give up a sixth round pick, a second rounder, and a fourth rounder next year. Is that right? What what does that do to a, his confidence? You know, and you know, they say this is their guy. And now you're bringing in a rookie quarterback. Why make the trade for Darnold then? They make the trade for Darnold for security because when they made that trade, we didn't know what was going to happen in the draft. Hell, we still don't know what's going to happen in the draft. Fields might be gone as far as we know. This mock, I mean, like it's a mock drafts and most mock drafts are bullshit anyway. But at the same time, like, let's be honest here. We don't know what's going to happen. So, like I said earlier in the podcast, I feel like the Panthers are covering all of their bases, and I love Scott Fitterer for that because that means he'll be able to pick the best player available, and the best player available on my board is Justin Fields. So that's why I went after him. Plus, Justin Fields is the man. <laughs> that's just me. All right, um, I'll, I'll go. I'll, go ahead, Bryson. Go ahead. Yeah, I just want to answer that question. Um I don't give a shit about Sam Darnold's confidence. This is a, a business. Coming <laughs> from the guy who loves Sam Darnold. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, yeah. You, you, uh, like Jason said, you trade for Sam Darnold because you don't know what's going to happen in the draft. If Justin Fields is there at eight, he's the best player on my board as well, um, which we'll see what happens on my mock draft. But, uh, yeah, you got to wait. You got to wait. Yeah, you got to tease us. But, yeah, you, you, bring in, you bring in Justin Fields if uh, – if he's there and you um you make him battle it out, I mean it, it'll only make him better in my opinion. So, yeah, I, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I, I'll tell you my pick here in a second. I mean, but I just wanted to see where you're at because that is a question that comes up: is you trade for a guy, what does that do for him? I I have two scenarios. I'm going to play them both out. Ooh, okay. I take Justin Fields here as well. I don't disagree with you. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks in this draft. And I've said that since the beginning of this podcast, I really like him. Uh, you just got, look at that Clemson game this past year. Incredible, mm-hmm. incredible toughness sticking in there that, that play in the second quarter, he gets knocked out with that nasty ass injury comes back in a play later and throws a comeback route and I mean, just slings the ball with a hurt hip. You can't, you can't teach that. You cannot teach that. So I like Justin Fields. If he falls to Carolina, unless they get some crazy trade back offer, they got to take him. I don't care if you traded for Sam Darnold. This guy is going to be good. He can run. He you watch him and mostly almost every one of his games, he almost breaks every single one of the first arm tackles that comes his way. And when you have an offensive line like Carolina does, and hopefully they shore that up this year in the draft, but this Justin Fields is going to be special. And I like, I love that he keeps slipping. He might have epilepsy, he might be battling at that. That don't, this guy's tough. He, he's going to find his way in the NFL. And I'm tired of him getting flack. And Mel Kuyper, or Mel Kuyper was talking about him and, why does everyone hate on guys named Justin and all this? I feel like these black quarterbacks in the NFL, they just, they don't get the right justice with some of these analysts. 
they can run and they just, it happened with Cam Newton. And I, I hate always bringing up the past, but it happened with Cam Newton. No, he's not ready. He overthrows the ball. He's, he's got off the field issues, all this other garbage. Justin Fields can play, man. And Bryson, you've been tweeting about this too. Mac Jones got a DUI. If Justin Fields got a DUI, man, they'd, ha- they'd have him in the second round right here, now. <laughs> like, yep. So Justin Fields, if he falls to eight and they, if they don't get some crazy trade offer, you go with them, man, throw everything you can at that quarterback position. It's the most important position. I'm not sold on Sam Darnold. Why don't you keep, keep the options open, let these guys compete and who, who shows up week one. And that's how you decide the starter. That's who I'm going with. You find a way to trade Teddy Bridgewater. I think Justin Fields is the guy. I don't know if he's going to follow them. I hope he does. But that's one of my routes. The other one is the trade back offer. And this it's kind of the scenario I was hinting at before. I think New England would be the team to trade up. Maybe Washington. I think the Chicago Bears could be a sleeper as well. But Scott Fitter mentioned he does he sees top 16 guys. So for them to go to 20 where Chicago's at. It's hard to believe, but you never know if Chicago thinks Justin Fields is their guy or Trey Lance and he's still there. They move up to eight. I could see that. But I think the most likely scenario is the Panthers trade with the Patriots. I don't mind the Stephon Gilmore trade if they can get, like I said, the first rounder this year, Stephon Gilmore, and maybe a second or fourth next year to make up for the Sam Darnold trade. You're going to get a number. You're going to get a number one corner, Stephon Gilmore. At 15, it's not a guarantee that you'd get J.C. Horn. I mean, he might, he might, he might be drafted before then. And I, I don't know if they go after a guy. I got to look at my notes. Caleb Farley, he's got injury issues and medical. His medical history isn't very good. So if you get a guy at Stephon Gilmore and then you pick 15. You get Bryson's guy, Christian Derrissaw, at 15. You got your law offensive tackle. You got a starting corner in the first night of the draft. Who the hell is going to complain about that? Like, seriously. So I don't mind that move as well, but I think those are the two possibilities. And again, if Sewell slips to them, I think Sewell's another guy. We could, I, we could keep talking we about this. Going, I'll, let, I'll let Bryson go. We can keep, yeah. we can keep chatting, but go. that's why. So, so Curtis, which one is your final prediction? I don't have a final prediction. This draft is crazy. This <laughs> nope. draft is crazy. You got to give us one. Yeah, okay, fine then. Not, not a final prediction, but like, what do you think is most likely to happen if, if Fields is there and a trade back is option? A trade back is an option. What, what do you think is the most likely? Well, it's hard to say because if Sewell's there, I think they go Sewell, and I'd like them to go Sewell. But if all three of them there, it's hard. I. If I'm going with my heart, I like Justin Fields. I think he's going to be a hell of a quarterback in this league. So you got to go with that guy. And we, me and you both had him going there a month ago. But, you know, it's, it's tough. You don't know where this team lies and where they're at. You see all the speculation of, well, they, they drafted or they traded for Sam Darnold because they weren't high on the guys after Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence. So you have, you play that in your head. There's so many scenarios you play in your head, but if I'm, if I'm the GM and Justin Fields is there, I'm picking Justin Fields. That's, that's who you got to take. But if you have a nice trade back and they're not sold on Justin Fields and you get a Patriots offer, like I mentioned, 
go for it. If you think Sam Darnold's a guy and you can get that, but if Justin Fields is sitting on the board, I'm GM, I'm taking him. That that's just where I'm at. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so at eight, I think um, I, I have Justin Fields available there as well. Um, I feel that the Panthers, if they're sitting there and with Scott Fitter's history and with them trading for Sam Darnold, um, obviously my heart wants them to go Justin Fields, but I don't think they go Justin Fields at eight. I think that they trade out of that pick and most likely with the Patriots get up this, year, this year's first with them. I'm hoping they don't go the Stephon Gilmore route, but if they do, um, like you said, maybe a second with him or, and if not next year's first as well with another pick for next year for the Patriots to move up. But I think if Justin Fields is there at eight, I think that the Panthers are likely to trade out of that spot. I just feel like they're going to let me down again here. <laughs> like they do all <laughs> like, like they do a lot. Um, and I, I obviously I would love for them to pick Justin Fields. I mean, as Curtis was saying earlier, he's been one of our favorite quarterbacks in the draft for a long time. I think he's the second best quarterback in this draft. And like you said, Jason, if Lawrence wasn't here, he'd be the, he'd be the first quarterback off the board, but I just, he's had a lot of unfair things come his way. Um, and just, I have no idea why he's dropping. I don't know why you would take macaroni Jones over him as our friend, Josh Klein likes to call him, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just, I, I think they trade out of that pick get recoup some of the um, picks they lost from Sam Darnold roll with Sam Darnold this year, see how he plays, pick up his fifth year option. Um, I think they do that if they don't take a quarterback here and just see what they have with Sam Darnold. I think that's the most likely scenario. I hope they don't go that route, but that's what I, well, let's talk. I'm glad you mentioned the fifth year option. Let's talk about that a little bit because Fitterer was asked about that. And I'm just curious what your guys' take is on it is, they haven't picked it up yet. They have until June, I believe, to do it. Or no, May, somewhere in May. Yeah, beginning May of May. Third, May 3rd, I think. So are they not doing it to hide what they're going to do in the draft? Or are they not doing it because they might take a quarterback in the draft? Like, what What are you? What are your guys' thoughts on that? I think it's a mix of both, to be honest with you. I feel like Scott Fitter, like, I know, like, I've been hyping him, but dude clearly knows what he's doing. And I wasn't like really able to say it out loud in articles and stuff. I mean, I was, but I didn't really want to. Marty Herney is not on Scott Fitter's level in any sense, man. I just feel like oh, it's so brilliant to me because it's. I feel like the Sam Darnold trade was the ultimate pump fake, in my opinion. If everything plays out the way it does and Fields ends up falling somehow, they're sitting here. They're covered. Let's look through the depth chart real quick. Well, they're not completely covered, but they at least have like a basic needs covered at offensive line. I still think they need to go after a tackle. I think they will. They shored up the defense a little bit. They signed Hassan Reddick. Pass rush is going to be absolutely disgusting next year. I can't wait to see that. Covered linebacker. Sure, they could add some pieces, but that's what the draft is for. Covered corner. And for the most part, hmm, I'm checking. Oh, and tight end with Dan Arnold as well. So they pretty much covered all the bases. So they can actually pick the best player available in the draft. And, you know, the fifth-year option and everything, I think 
it's all smoke for the draft. But I also think that it's a possibility that they might pick it up anyway, just because you never know how the draft's going to go. And hell, they might end up getting Sewell or they might get Kyle Pitts or someone like that who will make Sam Donald better. So it all depends on what happens Thursday. It really does. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that they're waiting to pick up the fifth-year option just to either, one, wait to see if Fields falls to them, or two, just add smoke to what they're doing at, at eighth to add trade value to that pick. Um, I think if they draft draft Justin Fields, they don't pick up that fifth-year option and let, let them two go at it and see who wins. Um, and then if they do not draft Fields, then I think they do pick up the fifth-year option on the deadline after the draft. Just, I think they're playing it strategically, and I think it's smart. And I, yeah, but let's play the let's play this scenario out. Fields is there, Penny Sewell somehow drops, and you have the trade back option. What do they do? I guess <laughs> that's like the perfect scenario, at least of all the fans takes. As the fan side, we're I mean we're talking as fans here. Right. What do they do with that scenario with those those three options on the board? Justin just Fields, man, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Oh. Yeah, I'm Justin Fields or Diet. If if he's there, care. I don't care what the hell is thrown my way. I don't the care only is on the oh, board. Go ahead. my bad. Uh, if no, no, you're good. I was just gonna say if. Uh, if he's there um, at eight, I, I take Justin Fields. And if I'm the GM, the only I person I would be torn with is Penny Sewell. That's the only person because I'm a big old line guy and Penny Sewell is a generational tackle to me. Other than him, you go after Justin Fields, even if he is available. I'd still go after Justin Fields just because offensive tackle is so deep in this year's draft. That's just me, though. We'll see how it plays out. Maybe someone will select him earlier. I personally, I think he's getting a lot of flack right now for bullshit reasons, as you said earlier. And because of that, I I think he's going to fall to eight. I really do. Yeah, it's I mean, by the day, it it seems like that more and more. I guess you, we. it's just hard to gauge because we don't really know. I mean, we can base it off of the trade the Panthers made that they clearly have faith in Sam Darnold. But this franchise is so hard to read right now. You have a, what, a third, a third or fourth year owner. You have a second year coach. You have a first year GM. It's so hard to read what they're going to do. If, I mean, if they value Sam Darnold, you think it's Sewell without a doubt, 100%. I mean, if they don't value Sam Darnold as much as they come off as you know being then it is Justin Fields and they go with the competition and maybe this was a tepper move and you go best I mean you go whoever wins the competition in training camp so that I mean that's that's the hard thing about it is let let me throw out a scenario for you guys um if if we got time we got all the time in the Um, world throw fire away okay Okay, so I've seen some reports and stuff about them possibly taking – Carolina Panthers possibly taking Justin Fields at eight and then flipping Sam Darnold to another team and just going with Justin Fields. How would you feel about that, Curtis? Uh, they, they could obviously recoup some of the picks they got, but they, they won't be getting what they traded away for them. But if, if they draft Fields at eight and then they flip 
Sam Darnold to another team, which I've seen reports. Oh, you see an app from possibility. Joe Schmo off the street. That ain't happening. <laughs> no, I, I I saw some rumblings. I don't about see it. it. That, that's saying. my opinion. I don't I don't see that happening. Like you said, they're not getting the value they traded him for. It's not happening. They're not getting that back. Yeah, it would that would be a stupid move? I think I I just don't see them doing that because they're not going to get the value of what they traded him for. Teddy Bridgewater is the more likely option out of those two. So, no, I don't see that happening. I think, you know, you got to read the tea leaves of some of these guys, you know, Darren Gant, uh, Bill Voth. And if you'll, I feel like they've been hinting towards offensive linemen this whole time. And those are the guys you really got to trust. Yeah, Ian Rappaport, Albert Breer, all these other national guys can report all they want. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the times it falls back on some of these local Mm -hmm. reporters and guys who are entrenched into the actual organization. Mm -hmm. So Bill Voth, I mean, he's been tweeting forever that Carolina could go all seven picks with the offensive linemen and that's probably not realistic, but in reality, you got to think if Penny Sewell's there at eight, they're going to take him. They clearly yeah. traded and they clearly like Sam Darnold to, I mean, invest and make a trade for him and get rid of Bridgewater at some point. So I think if Sewell's there, while fans want Justin Fields and clearly all three of us do. I think Sewell's the pick. Go get it. Go get your left tackle. I'm not. I I like that pick. I like. I, I wouldn't be mad. I, I don't. I don't care that it's not sexy. They need an offensive line. Me and Bryson bitched yeah. all last season watching Teddy Bridgewater get sacked or having a couple seconds to throw. So, go out and get that guy. So, I'm fine with that. I mean, again, I I would put my chips on Justin Fields over Sam Darnold. That's just me, but. If that, if that's who they, if they're, if they believe in that guy, I trust where they're headed with this. And, you know, Sewell might be the answer. I don't know. It's just, again, (laughs) every, every 10 minutes, you could, you could flip flop these uh, half these picks. Yeah. I think guys like uh, Jamar Chase or maybe even Kyle Pitts have a higher chance of falling to Carolina. Oh, let's talk about that. Let's talk about wide receiver because, there are some rumblings that I think it was Todd McShay who says Carolina, you know, wide receivers are a strong possibility for them at eight, because if some of these quarterbacks, you know, get picked in these top five, six picks or someone trades up, they might be sitting with a Devonte Smith, a Waddle, you know, sitting in their lap at eight and they might think that's the best player available. And you got to look at the DJ Moore contract. You got to look at the Robbie Anderson. He's come. This is a contract year for him. I think they're stupid to get rid of Robbie Anderson. If you bring in Sam Darnold, why the hell are you getting rid of him after a year? And Robbie Anderson, that don't make any sense to me, but that's another possibility is wide receiver. And that's one that I think if happens, some would be, happy because you know it's a (laughs) it's a a a premier position but I don't know man if if the tackle's sitting on the board I have a hard time them taking wide receiver yeah and um in my scenario I I didn't even mention who they would take at 15 if they traded back but I feel that a wide receiver is a high possibility there but also um I think if JC Horn is there at 15 they take JC Horn but 
but yeah, I, I think if they're sitting there at eight and they have like Jamar Chase fall into their lap, which is a possibility, um, they have Devonta Smith fall into their lap, which is a possibility, uh, and some other guys are off the board that they had highly rated, uh, I think it's a possibility that they take a wide receiver. And uh, I don't know if that's what they should do. I don't think that's very smart because uh, there's other holes in this team that need filled. And I think they're that a wide receiver is a strength for this team. And I don't think that they should be addressing that, but, but I mean, Hey, I, I wouldn't be mad with a Devonta Smith on my team. I mean, he was the best wide receiver in college football last year. And I mean, the man is a beast. So, I mean, I just think that there's other ways, um, smarter ways for them to build this team into a playoff team. And uh, I just don't think wide receiver is the smartest. What I've been saying this whole time is the fact that Scott Fitterer has been covering the bases since you know, this whole offseason started. So, you know, while I guess a Devontae Smith or a Jamar Chase, I call those cute moves in my opinion. I feel like those are luxury picks that the Panthers don't have the luxury to afford right now. I feel like they need to – if there's a quality offensive tackle like a Slater or a Sewell available, which is highly possible, you got to go after one of those guys, period. I know that, you know – Devontae Smith, arguably the best player in college football. You got Jamar Chase. You got Jalen Waddle. You got all these guys. I just you you got to cover your bases, man. And you still and like you said, receiver was still a strength for this team last year. Offensive line was not a strength for this team last year. Corner wasn't a strength for this team last year. Shoot, if Kyle Pitts is available, tight end definitely wasn't a strength last year. So I feel like they need to cover their best need. Yeah, whatever. The most needed player. And I don't think wide receiver would be the move at eight. Yeah, and I'm, tr- I'm struggling. I've been trying to find this all night, but I swear I read this somewhere a couple of days ago that Carolina might not be as high on Slater as people think. And they view him more as a guard than anything, which a lot of teams have been rumored to – what they thought of him so if a Sewell is off the board I think these other options whether it's corner wide receiver whatever best player available Slater might not Carolina might not take him at eight and they might go after a guy you know in the second or third round I think that North Dakota State guy I can't think of his name offhand Dylan Redones. Yeah, that could be a guy yeah. they, you know, target in the second round or the guy out, uh, out of Alabama too. So I don't know. That, that's another thing to think about is if Sewell is off the board, if he goes to Cincy or the Dolphins and Justin Fields is sitting there, a wide receiver sitting there, that's, I mean, that's another option. They could go a corner, you know, they could go JC Horn at eight. Um. But yeah, that's just another thing to consider because a lot of people are like, well, Sewell's off the board. It's got to be Slater at eight. That's, I mean, that's where they're going. They need offensive line. But again, there's reports from what I was reading that that might not be the case either. So that's something to consider in this too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Slater, in my opinion, is the second best lineman in this draft. But there are other highly touted offensive tackles in this draft. You know, you have you might mess around and have Leatherwood fall to you in the second round. I don't think it's going to happen, but that could potentially occur. You got guys like Christian Darisaw. 
You have guys like Elijah Vera Tucker, maybe even Tev. I wouldn't pick him at eight, but maybe even a guy like Tevin Jenkins or someone like that who's just a bulldozer. Any quality lineman, in my opinion, like outside of Sewell, is comparable to me. Between first and second round talent, I feel like a lot of them are interchangeable. Like Dylan Redunds, for example, I could see him being the second or third best offensive tackle in this draft. Is he actually? No. But if someone made a case for him, I would completely understand because I feel like the ceilings for a lot of these guys are very similar outside of Sewell. That's just from what I've seen on the tape, though. And maybe that's why Carolina is so mo- open to the fact of trading down is they don't think Sewell's going to be there at eight. And they're not, you know, they're sold on Sam Darnold. They're willing to trade down to that 15, 12 to 15 range, and they can go get Derisaw, who they value in the middle of the first round, right. or a guy like J.C. Horn that they hope is going to fall to them. So, I mean, that's a possibility too. It's just... Yeah, I've always said that that uh, I feel like Darisaw at like fifteen is a better value pick than Slater at eight. I just I like Darisaw better than Slater uh, at tackle at left tackle. Uh, and I when we did our offensive tackle rankings, I think it caught a couple people off guard. But that's just I just like his tape. He he was really good at Virginia Tech and not a whole lot of pass uh, passing sets. But he uh, when when he was in the passing set, he was really 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 good. So I think just Darisaw at um, 15 is just a better value for me. And then you get those, obviously, if you're trading down, you get those picks too, um, next year's picks, hopefully. So I don't know. I just feel like that that is a better choice, in my opinion, for Carolina. I can see it. Yeah, we could, I mean, we could talk about this all night. This is like a, a thousand piece puzzle. It really is. It, it, it's trying to figure out who's going to do what. And I think that's the beauty of this is we're going to see fireworks on Thursday. We don't know what's going to happen. We could literally talk about this all night and the scenarios and the trade backs. And again, it's just Thursday night is going to be wild. I think we could end on this. And I'm just curious is there's been some reports. Let's go outside of the draft here a little bit. Teddy Bridgewater, what is Carolina going to do with him? There's reports today by two Two guys, Benjamin Allwright said he could see a trade for Teddy Bridgewater. And then he also had Peter King. He came out of his mock draft today. He said he wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos pass on quarterback in the draft and they trade a mid-round pick to Carolina for Teddy Bridgewater. And just to note, their GM was with the Minnesota Vikings when they drafted Bridgewater. Jason, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, it's clear Carolina, Tepper, Rule, they're not satisfied with Bridgewater last year. I mean, what what's your thoughts on the Broncos hype here? It's totally believable because obviously Drew Locke isn't their guy over in Denver either. So, you know, I haven't talked about Teddy Bridgewater a lot. When it comes to this draft talk, but at the same time, I have a it's a slightly hot take. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be on this roster after the draft. I really don't. I think, um, you know, based on the reports and, you know, the things that have been said, the front office 
and Matt Rule himself. I don't think this organization is satisfied with Bridgewater at all. And judging by the contract, I mean, they kind of put themselves in a hole here. And while it's unfortunate for both parties, you know, business is business at the end of the day. So the Broncos, that's definitely realistic. Hmm. I'm trying to think who else would be in the Teddy Bridgewater sweepstakes. Maybe, and this is a huge maybe, Washington, I wouldn't be that surprised if they went after him. I don't think he's, you know, that much better than what they have right now. But I don't know, man. I think someone's going to go after him and give us like a third or a fourth and we'll be satisfied with it just to get that contract off our books. That's just me. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think he'll be on the roster either after the draft. Uh, and as much as, as shit, as much shit as I talk about Teddy Ridgewater, I don't like him. I don't, well, I have nothing against the, the guy. He's a good guy, but I don't like him as my quarterback. And um, I think him as a backup is one of the best backups you can have in the NFL. And I think that, for example, in Denver, um, Benjamin Albright, he reports for the Broncos. He's uh, he's a nationally known reporter. He's a he's normally in the know for the Broncos, kind of like our Joe person here. And he just uh, he's he's been saying for, I think, probably a month or so that the Broncos are interested in Teddy Bridgewater. And he feels that they're going to pass on a quarterback and trade for Teddy Bridgewater. So I think that that is the likely place for Teddy Bridgewater to end up after the draft or maybe even during the draft. Um, Panthers get that mid-round pick for this year, maybe, maybe, um, that'd be cool, but, uh, I would be happy with whatever they got for Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think he, I mean, it's not fair for us to keep him here. I don't think, uh, I think he deserves a fresh start somewhere else. And I think we deserve a fresh start, uh, with Sam Darnold. So I think trading him to the Broncos just makes too much, too much sense. And I think that's probably what they end up doing during the draft. Yeah, I, I agree with both you guys. I think they're going to. They're offload him somewhere. They're going to eat a little bit and, you know, bite the bullet on that awful trade Marty Herney made. But it is what it is. They clearly moved on. This is not Tepper's guy and Tepper's the owner and he rules over everyone else. So that's just that's just the way the cookie crumbles. But again, let's I just want to thank Jason again for coming on tonight. We had a lot of good insight into this draft. It's going to be crazy. Jason, thank you so much again for joining us on Panthers on Tap. Make sure you go and read his contents, content on SI. He writes for the Carolina Panthers on there. So give him some love. Go give him a follow on Twitter at Jason Hewitt 50. Jason, again, thank you so much. I know this was last minute for you. The draft is crazy. So we appreciate you coming on this evening. Hey, thank you all for having me on, man. I had a blast with y'all. And hey, anytime you want me back on, like just shoot me a text, you know, send a DM, whatever, man. I'm totally down. Before we get to our draft picks of the week, I just we'd like to make our selection. We did a giveaway last week for the 2021 NFL draft hat for the Carolina Panthers. We got a lot of retweets on Twitter, a lot of follows. We really appreciate everyone who participated in it. You had to retweet, you had to follow us. Our fourth giveaway for the NFL draft hat 2021 is Brandon Morton. That's at Brandon87. If you are listening to us, please reach out to us, DM us on Twitter, and we will give you the details. But we will be sending you 
the 2021 draft hat for the Carolina Panthers. So congratulations for winning that. Again, we will have more giveaways in the future. We appreciate you guys. This is a way to build up our following and get more listeners. And we just appreciate everyone who participated in this. So now let's get to our draft picks of the week. All right, Bryce. And this week I'm drinking another IPA, a little Sierra Nevada hazy little thing. It's from Mills River, North Carolina, Sierra Nevada. It's actually, I believe it's right outside Asheville. I've been there. Sierra Nevada, incredible brewery. It's literally like a campus. Like you drive down this like private driveway and it's gated and the outdoor area for Sierra Nevada is awesome. The brewery tour is cool. I 100% recommend Sierra Nevada beer across the board. I don't care if you don't like IPA, you don't like hoppier beers. They have lighter stuff too. Give Sierra Nevada some love. So this is again, I'm drinking hazy little thing IPA. It's a pretty good beer. I'd also, I also, I, I made sure I was going to give a shout out to one of my Wisconsin buddies who listens in every single week. He is not a Panthers fan, but he loves listening to us. I had to give him a shout out this week. I appreciate you listening and, and hopefully we can give you some insight. Even if it's not the team you love, we can give you some insight into your draft moving forward. And maybe you pick up on some of these guys we mentioned for oh, yours, yeah. is, is he a Packers fan? He's a Packers fan. He's a loyal okay. listener to us. So okay, I wanted no, to give yeah, him dude. a shout Thank out. You. But Thank yes, again, hazy little thing IPA. Give this one a try. Bryson, what are you drinking this evening? So I'm drinking a beer not from North Carolina, unfortunately. Um, this is a beer from Spotsil Brewery in Poteet, Texas. It is a, it's called Shiner. Um, strawberry Blonde Ale made with strawberries there in texas brewed with um all natural flavors and then obviously strawberries it's 4.3 percent um when i first tried it it honestly it tastes like shit to me but i kept drinking it and um it kind of got better the more that i went on with it uh it kind of hits you hard and has like a i don't know like a flat fanta flavor or something but, but the more you drink it, the better it gets. I, I will say that. If you're into strawberry, give it a shot um, and let me know what you think. But, yeah, I, uh, I bought a six-pack of them, and they're probably going to sit in my fridge uh, until people come to my house and drink them because I don't think I will. So <laughs> I'm glad you're fair. I'm glad you're fair. I don't uh, – again, I'm drinking this IPA warm, and IPA I'm not a big fan of. Everyone knows that by now, but – this isn't, it isn't that bad. And maybe it's because I'm three or four beers deep. That might be helping. <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably good. Drinking an IPA warm to me sounds like kicking a, my toenails off on a door. That just sounds so disgusting. I don't know how you're doing it, man. But I don't mind it drinking warm. Yeah, it's, it, it is what it is. Yeah. You, you got you to gotta roll with the punches sometimes. Well, I think that's going to wrap up tonight's draft special. We want to thank everyone again for listening to Panthers on Tap. You can catch all of our episodes every Thursday, wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure to subscribe and give us a rating wherever you listen. Just give us a rating. We'd love to see the ratings. Good or bad, give us the rating. No, not bad. If you're going to give us bad, mind your own damn business. We don't want it. (laughs) 
Also, give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap for all your analysis, breaking news, and of course, all of our giveaways. We'll be doing one in another couple of weeks, so stay tuned for that. And as always, 